Well, I want to start with just a big thanks to our friends at Life Church for providing resources for this series like that video. That's a really great video. It's a really powerful illustration of that question that was asked in it. Are we holding on to painful things? Are we holding on to painful things? Am I on, guys? You can hear me okay? Can you hear me? Okay. If I were to carry this cactus around like that, all right, from the, from the, the sharp end, all right, some of you might wonder what's going on with that guy. And then, then if I said to you, man, um, I'm just having the worst day. I, I complain to you about how my hand hurts. And you're like, well, uh, I might go out on a limb here and say it might be because you're carrying around a cactus from the wrong end, right? And sometimes I think we do that in life. Sometimes I think we walk around in life and we are carrying the cactus from the pointy end. And we're holding on to painful things. And then we wonder why our lives are miserable. This series is going to be all about having the faith to forgive. We're going to talk about having the faith to forgive. We're going to talk about forgiving God. And it's not in the sense that God has somehow done something wrong or that uh, God owes us an apology. We're going to talk about forgiving God because sometimes people get angry with God. Sometimes people blame God for things that are painful in our lives that go wrong in a broken world, and they're angry with God. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, forgiving ourselves. We've all said things or we've done things, and it's sometimes hard for us to let that go. We think that if we uh, punish ourselves long enough that somehow that in some way makes up for what we said or, or what we or what we did, and we carry around that pain, hoping that that's what will happen. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about forgiving the big betrayals in life. Uh, some of us have been hurt by others in ways uh, that have impacted us um, permanently. Now, I don't mean permanently in the sense that when we get to heaven, it'll still be there. But this side of heaven, that, that betrayal impacts your life in significant, profound ways. And uh, it's just not going to go away. Even if you emotionally deal with it, the impact of that betrayal uh, carries with you throughout your life. And, and being able to deal with that spiritually, emotionally can be tough. So we're going to talk about forgiving the big betrayals. Today we're going to be focusing on forgiving the small offenses. Forgiving the small offenses. You know, there's a bunch of little things that just kind of get under our skin right? There's things that get under your skin, and if they're allowed to build up over time, what happens is we become these, uh, these kind of bitter, quick-tempered people that nobody wants to be around. And so this series is about learning how to lay down those... This is a fake cactus, by the way. I don't, I'm not really that tough. It's fake. Uh, but learning how to lay down those painful things that we sometimes choose to carry around and just learning how to have the faith we need to forgive. I'm really glad you're here this morning. I really am. Wherever here is, right? Here could be in this room. Here could be uh, downstairs in the activity center. Here could be on the live stream or the podcast or our radio broadcast. Wherever here is for you, I'm so glad that you are sharing this moment uh, with me together this morning because I've seen too many 
marriages, too many friendships, too many churches um, just kind of ripped apart by the either uh, inability or the unwillingness to forgive. This is a really, I think, important series for us. Uh, I think it has the potential to make a real difference in your life. I think it has the potential to be a really helpful thing for all of us. So we're going to start with this. If you look at the title of today's message, and I, some of you will see it up here, but I also want to let you know that uh, if you go to our website, and I'll bring mine up here just uh, so we're all doing the same thing. If you go to our website on your phone, your tablet, wherever you're at, uh, where we put that is on our one that says bulletin. Now, if you're in the room, you can't see this, right? But they could probably zoom in. So if you hit that bulletin button, the announcements are on there. The schedule for the week is on there. So there's not a paper bulletin, but everything that you would normally find in your bulletin is there. And you can actually take notes. So there's a button, a green button that says sermon notes. So you click that button, it'll take you to our sermon notes this morning. All the verses are there. There's a place to take notes on what we're talking about. Okay, So that's available. If you look at the title, it says, I'm over it. And I just kind of wonder if that's something that over the last two months you've gotten to the place where maybe you've said that. I'm not asking you to admit it. I'm just wondering out loud. Some of you are, yeah, I've said it. I'm over it. The masks, the distancing, the politics, I'm just, I'm over it. I get it. And it's not just that. I mean, yes, we could probably collectively agree that we've probably said that in related to what we've been going through, but there's other things in life. You kind of get to a place where your frustration level gets so high and you're just, you know, I'm done. I think that's what we mean. When we use the phrase, I'm over it, out of frustration, that's what we mean, isn't it? I'm done. I'm done being kind. I'm done showing grace. I'm done trying to find a nice way to say this. I'm done trying. I'm over it. That's what we mean when we say I'm over it out of frustration. And usually why that happens is we got a bunch of small offenses that kind of build up over time. And we emotionally get to this place where we're just, we're done trying. And we get frustrated. And we become, if we're not careful, we become someone who is easy to offend. Do you know anybody that's easy to offend? They're easily, don't point at them. (laughs) They're easy to offend. Don't point at them. Now you've offended them. Think about yourself, though. I mean, do you ever find yourself angry, upset, frustrated, offended, annoyed by small offenses? I'm not talking about the big stuff. I'm talking about, you know, the small things that just kind of, we call them pet peeves as if they're cute and cuddly things, right? We call them pet peeves. Things that get under your skin. They're irritating to you. I don't know if you find those kind of things, but, you know, someone's standing too close to you at Walmart. And you're like, Pastor Mark, you need to back up. All right, sorry. Or maybe it's not so much what what someone said, it's how they said it. It's the tone that they used when they said it. It was a little snarky what you said, you know? It was a little too sarcastic for me. You were a little short with me in your answer. Maybe someone did something nice for you, or you did something nice for them, 
and, uh, and they didn't say thank you, right? You, you went out of your way, you did something nice, and they didn't say thank you, and you're like, uh, excuse me, you're welcome. That can get under your skin. People that don't follow the unwritten rules, and I don't think there's anything in the, in the code book uh, that I know of uh, as far as law, but there's an unwritten rule in traffic. When you're getting out of a parking lot and you've got a mass of cars, there's an unwritten rule. It's this car and then this car. We take turns, right? We just kind of know, and when someone doesn't do that, well, you get offended, right? You let somebody out in traffic. And the unwritten rule is, if I let you out in traffic, what are you supposed to do? Thank you, you nod, some gesture of, I thank you for uh, letting me out. And if they don't do that, excuse me, you would still be sitting there if I wouldn't let you out. You walk into a church building after two months, and you go in to sit in your pew. And there's a sign on it that says, do not sit here. Well, if I'd have known you didn't want me here, I'd have. Now, you all did a good job with that. How about this one? Ladies, we're sorry. I mean, just collectively as men, we're sorry, but uh, not putting the toilet seat down, right? I've got to start doing that around here now that people are back in the building. I've been here by myself for two months. (laughs) Haven't had to worry about that. I'm going to have to start doing that. So collectively as men, we're sorry. Not putting the toilet seat back down. How about this? You know, lines right now are really hard to interpret. With the whole six feet thing, it's hard to interpret where the line is, isn't it? And, uh, you know, with cars in, in big, massive parking lots. I saw this on the news last Sunday. It was Mother's Day. So there's guys out there trying to be nice and go to buy uh, donuts, a Dunkin' Donuts for their wives. I'm sure that's what they were doing. And uh, so you've got this, uh, this Dunkin' Donuts in this big parking lot. And when you're in a big parking lot, it's hard to kind of tell where the lines are because they're coming in from different directions or whatever. And some guy skipped the line. I don't know if he did it intentionally. I don't know if uh, it was an accident. He just didn't know where to go. But he skipped the line. And we wound up seeing this fist fight in a Johnstown Dunkin' Donuts parking lot last Sunday. And it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. You go into a store, and it's just really hard to interpret where the lines are. And so people, they... They don't even look, you know, because usually it's what? It's arm length. That's what's normal. Or maybe a little half arm length. That's what's normal for a line. And the six-foot thing, well, nobody's here. I'll just step in line. Now, I have noticed that a lot of people, once they realize, they do apologize. And people have been, I think, pretty gracious about that um, because it's new, right? But it could be easy, easy for someone to be offended that they had a line skip. Pastor Craig Grishel says this, if you're always looking to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. Isn't that true? If you are always looking to be offended, you will always find what you are looking for. And I'll add this, it's a pretty rough way to live life, to walk through life being easy to offend. It just is. It's a rough way to live life. If you just walk through life easily offended over everything. But what if, what if we could learn to be hard to offend? What if we could learn how to be hard to offend? That would be something I think that would make my life better. I think that would make all of our lives better. That would be something really helpful. And so today I want to challenge you, I'm going to challenge myself to start using that phrase, I'm over it, in a different way. Not out of, not as an expression of frustration, 
But what if we started using that phrase, I'm over it, as an expression of forgiveness? Let's explore that together. If you would open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 19, we're going to look at a few different Proverbs this morning together, starting in Proverbs 19, 11. Proverbs 19, 11. Give you a minute to find that. If you're using the digital notes, it's right there. You should be able to find it pretty easily. Proverbs 19, 11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by, here's our key word, overlooking wrongs. If you have an NIV, it says that a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. That, that word overlook in the original language literally, literally means to pass over. It means to rise above. It's choosing to not let yourself get stuck under the weight of an offense. That's the picture of overlooking, of passing over. To say I'm over it as an expression of forgiveness really is the ability to overlook an offense. It's choosing to rise above. It's choosing to pass over that small offense in life. It's not pretending that it didn't happen. It's just a decision that I'm going to be hard to offend. It's a decision to say, all right, that happened, that just happened, but I'm going to overlook it, and I'm going to choose to say I'm over it. I'm going to move on. I'm over it. Can you imagine your life that way? Can you imagine your everyday life like that, that you were that hard to offend? i got to say... I have never had a better day when I was easy to offend. I've never had any relationship in my life that has been stronger because I was easy to offend. I've never had a more enjoyable experience, whatever it is, because I was easy to offend. Now, the opposite is true. I've ruined those things because of small offenses and focusing on them and letting them get to me. I just, you need to understand that you are no fun to be around when you are easy to offend. Same goes for me, I'm just saying. We're just no fun to be around when we're always offended about something. And we also have to understand that when we look at Scripture and we see uh, what, it, what it looks like to, to be a follower of Jesus. We're not being a great ambassador for Jesus when we're easy to offend. So how then do we become hard to offend? How do we learn how to quickly overlook an offense and say, all right, that just happened, but I'm over it. How do we do that? Let's go back to Scripture. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels. Would we agree that that's true, right? Hatred, being easily offended, what's it do? It just starts fights, just starts problems. But love, love makes up for all offenses. Depending on the version that you have, you might have the phrase, it covers up all wrongs. Hold on to that thought. 
Love covers up all wrongs. And let's go to another one. Let's go to Proverbs 17.9. Proverbs 17.9. Again, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Now, I love how the New Living translates this. It says, but dwelling on it, dwelling on a fault, dwelling on someone's failure, dwelling on an offense, what's it do? It separates close friends. If you cover up an offense, it promotes love. But if you repeat the matter over and over, I think that's how the NIV translated, if you repeat the matter, if you dwell on it, it just separates even close friends. So I want to give you this simple thought. When we talk about how do we become a person who is hard to offend, here's how we do it. We get over it when we fill in the gap with love. We get over it when we fill in the gap with love. The same pastor who said, if you're always looking to be offended, you'll always find what you're looking for. He made this observation. There is a gap that exists between an action and our reaction. Now, it might be a small split-second gap, but there is always a gap between an action and our reaction. And you and I get to choose what we put in the gap. We do. You and I have that choice of what we're going to put in that gap. And when we choose to fill that gap with love, Scripture tells us that we, we fill that gap with love, we cover it over. And we're able to pass over it. We're able to rise above it because it's filled in with love. I'll illustrate it this way. There there was a hole in my backyard. I don't know how it got there. I didn't dig it. But there was a hole in my backyard. And it was always this potential hazard. When I would mow the grass, when I got to that spot, I'd have to be careful. I'd have to remember there's a hole right there. And it's deep enough where you could get your... Get your foot in there, maybe twist an ankle deep enough that if you had a riding mower, you might get stuck. I mean, it was a hole, and it's been there for 10 years. And my, my thing was, I, just, I know it's there. I just mow around it. I just walk around it. Well, recently, uh, my brother-in-law, Ryan, decided, that hole doesn't need to be there. Let's fill that sucker in. So he did. He got some dirt, and he filled in the hole with dirt. Nice and level, packed it in good, and now don't fall in the hole, right? Because it's filled in with dirt, and now you can pass over it. Now you can rise above it. What if, though, he had chosen to fill in that hole with a groundhog? Go with me on this. Use your imagination. What if, what if he had chosen to fill in that hole with a post hole digger or an auger? Something that's going to make the hole deeper and bigger, right? It matters what you fill the hole in with. That's my point. When we fill the hole in with love, it fills it up so that you can pass over it. But when we start filling in the hole with accusations, anger, and assumptions, what happens? The hole gets deeper the hole gets wider, and now we've got the potential of falling in that hole. And you know what's at the bottom of the hole? If you fall in the hole, bitterness. That's the only thing down there. There's nothing good at the bottom of the hole. You fall in that hole, it's bitterness, 
resentment, anger, that kind of fester. That's what's at the bottom of the hole. And we have to be careful what we're filling that hole and what we're filling that gap with. When we fill the hole with things that make it worse, we risk falling in there. Now, that probably makes a lot of sense mentally to us, but I'm telling you, just admitting to you, uh, it doesn't make it easy. You might understand, yes, we all agree we should fill the hole, fill the gap with love. That would be the right thing to do. But that doesn't make it easy to do. Here's why it's not easy for us to do that. Because we're really bad at interpreting things. We are really bad at interpreting the words and actions of others. That's one reason. You know, my wife might say to me, Hun, did you, did you lock the cars before you came to bed? Simple question. In her mind, she's probably just going through the checklist of everything that needs to happen before we go to bed at night, right? But if I interpret her words in the wrong way, my conclusion could be, what, do you think I'm stupid? You, you think I'm lazy? What, what, do, you, what do you think, that, uh, that I'm f- that forgetful, right? Could you, can you hear someone responding to that question that way? I would never do that. I have done that. It's not what she meant. We, we're really bad at interpreting the words and actions of others. And it gets even worse when it comes to the written word in texts, in emails, in posts. Because you can't hear tone in the written word. You can't read body language in a text message. And so you might read something, and maybe the person is just really bad at writing things. Maybe they, uh, maybe they don't know how all of the things work. Uh, I heard this story Uh, Someone uh, said, so sorry for the loss of, you know, someone had died. So sorry for the loss of whoever died. And then they wrote LOL. Now, you probably know LOL means laugh out loud, but that person thought it meant lots of love. Now, can you imagine? So sorry for the loss of your loved one, LOL. And so sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes sometimes they write something and they they just aren't good at it. And you read it and you're like, what does that mean? You don't have the full context of what they were thinking. Text messages, emails, posts, those things can be really hard to interpret. And sometimes we fill in those gaps with assumptions that aren't right. Here's some other reasons why we have a hard time. Even though we know we should fill the gap with love and not these other things, sometimes it's really hard because we have a natural tendency to give ourselves a pass, to give ourselves lots of grace, and not so natural of a tendency to do that towards others. We have to work at that. That's a lot harder to do. That takes a lot more effort. Easy to give ourselves a pass. We're not always as quick to do the same for others. I'll give you an example. When you cut someone off in traffic, and you've done it, when you cut someone off in traffic, it was a mistake. Didn't see you there. So sorry. Why are you getting so upset? I, I didn't see you, right? Now you're offended. They're offended. But when someone... Uh, cut you off, well, well now it wasn't a mistake. This person clearly saw you coming. They're an idiot. They should have their driver's license revoked. You did it. It was a mistake. When your child acts like a toad at Walmart, there's a good reason for it. Oh, little Johnny never acts this way. He's such a delight. He's always an angel. He's just tired. He's just hungry. 
he's not feeling well, right? There's a reason. Might be a legitimate reason. But you see someone else's child acting like a toad at Walmart, and your assumption, your conclusion, most likely is not, oh, it must just be tired, it's okay. No, your conclusion is, what a terrible parent. What are you, raising an MS-13 gang member here? Discipline your child. I worked hard on that line. I like that one. Think about it. Accusations and assumptions, bad interpretations. These are the kind of things that, that break relationships, that cause all kinds of trouble in marriages, that can cause disruption and, and dissension in churches. You think about this, too. Who specializes in accusation? devil. That's what he's called in Scripture. He's called the great accuser. That's what he specializes in. But love, love fills the gap. Love covers the offense. When love covers the offense, we can rise above it. We can pass over it. We can overlook it. We can say, you know what? That just happened, but I'm over it. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not going to have you turn to it, but 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage that we're very familiar with. And in that passage, as Paul describes what love is, how love is defined, he says that love is giving someone the benefit of the doubt. That's what love does. Love assumes the best, not assumes the worst. Love is willing to trust someone as long as that is still possible to do, unless there's some actual reason why that trust needs to be taken away. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't assume automatically the worst in someone's words or in someone's actions. Ephesians 4.2, you can look at that one. I don't know if I have it on the screen. I might. Ephesians 4.2, Paul challenges the believer to be humble, to be gentle, to be patient. And then depending on what version you have in your lap, If you have an NIV, he says, you need to bear with one another in love. Do you ever say to someone, no, bear with me? What do you mean by that? Just be patient. I know I'm not getting it right. I know I'm probably frustrating you. Just bear with me. I kind of felt like that uh, after week one of our live stream. All we had, now you walk in here now and we're a little better than what we were. Week one, we had a a phone on a tripod. That's all we had. And what what were we saying? We know this is no good. Bear with us, we'll get better, right? That's what love does. And you did that. You, you bore with us during this experience, and we're thankful for that. The New Living says, make allowances for each other's faults. Make allowances for each other's faults. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Just remember that. Make allowance for that. We don't always get it right. The New American says, showing tolerance for one another. I like that phrase. Show tolerance for one another. Cut each other some slack. You didn't get invited to the party. Okay. Love fills the gap and says, that happened, but I'm over it. You read a rude comment on your post. You have a very nice post about your lovely cat on social media. So cute. And Pastor Mark goes and he writes something stupid on there, something snarky about your wonderful cat. 
Love fills in the gap, says, all right, that just happened, but I'm over it. Someone cuts in line, they cut you off in traffic, love fills in the gap. Okay, that happened, but I'm over it. Someone's having a bad day and they take it out on you. Wasn't your fault. You don't even know why they're having a bad day, but you got the brunt of it. Love fills in the gap. It says, that happened, but I'm over it. Someone doesn't appreciate what you did. Someone doesn't meet your expectations. Someone says something that is insensitive. Love fills in the gap. Does that just happen, but I'm over it. Don't we want people to do that for us? I do. I don't get it right all the time. I say dumb stuff sometimes. I'm not always as sensitive as I should be, right? Maybe you are. Maybe you're like super sensitive about everything. Good. That's awesome for you. Not everybody is. And it's not that they intentionally try to offend you. We want people to do that for us, and and we have to remember that we're not perfect. Now listen, even those of you in the room, those of you on the live stream, those of you who are perfect, you just need to understand that you irritate us. Those of us who aren't perfect, you're still irritating if you're perfect. Your perfection irritates us. Now, my point is, if, if... If we can just remember that none of us are perfect, then we can give allowances to others that they aren't either. And we also have to remember, if we're a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, we do want to represent our Lord well, don't we? And I'm challenging myself and you. we got to remember that our calling, our calling as a follower of Jesus Christ is way more important than being able to be vindicated about some uh, small offense. Our calling is more important than that, than proving a point. Remember that. You know, you you say to someone, hey, you should come to our church. I'd really, uh, you, you uh, you should come to our small group. Yeah, our church people, our small group folks, they're super easy to offend. They will bite your head off for the smallest thing. You're going to love it. You should really come. You're always looking to be offended. You're, you're always going to find what you're looking for. So how do we become hard to offend? How do we learn how to quickly overlook an offense and say, you know what, that just happened, but I'm over it. We get over it when we fill in the gap with love. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? Ephesians chapter 4, I... I I have you there talking about what Paul was saying about how we treat each other. But if you look at the end of that chapter, Paul ties it back into the gospel. In verse 32, he ties it back into the gospel. First he says in verse 31, you need to get rid of the bitterness, get rid of the rage, get rid of the anger, the harsh words. And he says this in verse 32, instead be kind with each other, be tenderhearted, be forgiving towards one another, Now, here's the key. Don't miss this. Just as God through Christ forgave you. That's the standard. What standard do we apply to ourselves when it comes to being willing to forgive, being willing to show grace? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, the standard is Jesus. 
He's the standard. You think about all the offenses in your life, all the offenses in my life that Jesus took to the cross. How did he do that? How did he get over all of your failures? How did he get over all of your offenses to God? He did it by filling in the gap with love. He paid the price for your sin, for my sin, with his own blood. He rose from the dead, proving that his sacrifice was enough. Guys, this is why the gospel isn't just a message that we need to hear to be made right with God, to make sure that our soul goes to heaven when we die. It is that, but it's so much more than that. The gospel message is something that we need to remember and be mindful of every single day. Because the gospel reminds us that just as Jesus filled in the gap with love, you and I are expected as followers of Christ to fill in the gap with love like Jesus did for us. So if we remember the gospel, if we remember the cross, if we stay focused on that message, it's going to help us be able to fill that gap in with love between the action and our reaction and be able to, to overlook that offense, be hard to offend, to be able to say, that just happened, but I'm over it. Here's the challenge for you, for me this week. When we experience, not if, but when we experience small offenses, and you will, maybe even before you leave the parking lot today, maybe before you get up out of your couch or wherever you are this, uh, this morning, when you experience a small offense, let's commit ourselves to say, that just happened, but I'm over it. Not as an expression of frustration, but as an expression of forgiveness. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice. Wherever you are right now in this moment, together, we're going to practice this. Now, I'm not going to offend you intentionally just to give you something to do. We're just going to practice saying it. All right? So here we go. Uh, together, we're going to say, that just happened, but I'm over it. Okay? You ready? That just happened, but I'm over it. This week. Today, this week, let's practice that. Let's commit ourselves as an expression of forgiveness. That just happened, but I'm over it. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to spend some time together this morning. Lord, I thank you for those that are gathered in this place and on our campus, those who are gathered in our live stream audience today. Or this is a topic that touches all of us because we all have things that irritate us. We all have things that we sometimes struggle to get over quickly. And Lord, we need, we need your grace. We need your help to fill that gap in with your love. So fill our hearts with love, the same love that you have for us, that same level of sacrificial love that focuses on others rather than ourselves. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ryan's going to lead you in a, another song here before we close. God bless you. All right, everyone. Let's please stand. We're going to sing 235. Take the name of Jesus with you. And remember, let's show love and grace to those that we uh, come in contact with this week. Jesus with you, child.
of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it and where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. with joy when his loving arms receive us and his songs our tongues employ precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.